Hello everyone and welcome to 1v1 with Boss Rush Games. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Fami, an indie game developer, narrative designer, writer, and consultant best known for his game design, writing, and directing on Coffee Talk and What Comes After. Well, hello, it's good evening to you, Fami, because you're in nighttime right now. Yeah, good morning to you, Celeste. <laughs> well, so how, how are you doing? How's 2020 tweeting, tr treating you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it made me get closer to my family, I guess, because I, <laughs> I've been staying home like for nine months now, so it has some good thing among other housecapes we are in right now. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That, is, that a, is that a good thing? Is it maybe too much togetherness sometimes? Oh, yeah. Sometimes it was, it's too much sometimes, but I think it's better than being alone by myself in this hard time. So, yeah. It's bearable. It's bearable. <laughs> yeah, your tweets make me laugh just because I, I like your sense of humor. It's it's very dry and witty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't have kids, but I guess I'm already good enough with that dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> even without kids. <laughs> dad jokes. <laughs> yes, they're very, I like, it's like a very sardonic, like sarcastic, but endearing sense of humor. And I, so I, I discovered you after I played Coffee Talk a mm -hmm. few months ago and I tweeted about it and I think you liked my status. So then I clicked on your profile and I saw that you were heavily involved with that game and you have such thought provoking tweets about marketing and what it's like working in Asia and what it's like trying to market to a Western audience. I'm going to be honest <laughs> until I researched the game. I thought it was an American company because <laughs> it seemed so accurate. I, mean, I guess yeah. Uh, one thing that is great about making games set in a in a single closed space is that you can pretend that it's anywhere on earth. Like for Coffee Talk, uh, our main guideline was just like, okay, Shadow Shadow has a lot of brains, which is what we need for the game brains. Uh, it has a lot of coffee shops because Starbucks was born in Seattle. And the next important thing is it has a lot of hipsters. And <laughs> coffee shop features hipsters as the main character. So yeah, I guess that's how we somehow managed to get the vibes right. Just rain, coffee, and hipsters. I love it. And it's funny that I actually um, recommended the game to a friend of mine who's also involved with Boss Rush Games, and he lives in Seattle, and he said it is spot on. <laughs> and he said it, it's, it reminds him of old Seattle in the 90s and early 2000s because he said uh, ever since larger corporations moved in within the last 10 years, it's, it's just... Oh, it's it's like the second Silicon Valley. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've never been there. I've always wanted to oh. go because I've watched Frasier before. <laughs> well, fun fact, uh, no one in the development team ever went to Seattle at all. Like, in fact, on the, I think one of us lived in the U.S. for four years, but it was 20 years ago. And I've been to the U.S. only once for PAX, and that's, it. that's the only American experience we have. The rest are from 
TV series and movies. Wow. I, I would say I would say you guys nailed it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I really, I felt, it felt very natural. And I, I was very surprised to learn that it was an Indonesian company that made it. But we're, we'd like to learn a little bit about you to, to start. So what, what would you like to tell us about yourself? Like your hobbies, where you live, anything you'd like people to know? Okay. So yeah, basically, uh, as we've talked about, my name is Fahmi. I, I live in Jakarta, Indonesia. Uh, it's a big country in Southeast Asia, but uh, I would say we are kind of a developing country uh, with a very, I won't say we're in on early stage, but uh, the game industry here is not as mature as, obviously, as Japan or US, but it's, it's not even as mature as our neighboring countries like Singapore or Malaysia. But yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to grow. Uh, I've been in the industry for around nine and a half years. So yeah, I started out uh, as a programmer in a mobile game studio called Gameloft. I, I'm sure most people know what Gameloft is. And uh, I started out as a programmer and then I moved to game design. And then I, uh, I quit. I, I joined a local startup which only last for eight months because they need to pivot and they don't need they don't need my resource anymore. But the boss knew that I love blogging and he was like, "So I cannot pay you anymore, but I can recommend you a job." Oh, really? Thank you. And I become a journalist. I become a game journalist in Indonesia in a website called Pick in Asia. Uh, it's a Singaporean company, so they cover startup and technology and they branch out to video game. So I was in Tekinesia for three and a half years because uh, so my, my favorite writer, Neil Gaiman, once said that when he wanted, uh, when he started out, uh, he started out, he started out as a journalist because by being a journalist, he can learn how to write and he can speak to the people that are more successful, the people that are already successful or already failed, which he can learn from. And he got paid while doing it, so I'm not ready to start an indie developer studio. I need to learn. I need the money, and I need to. I need more experience in writing, so that's why I became a journalist. And three and a half years later, I joined Toge Productions as a marketing and PR guy. Uh, Toge just branched out from. So Toge is a game developer. They started in 2009 as a flash game developer and then they moved to steam and they opened a publishing division to help indonesian developers get to the global market because there are a lot of amazing talents in indonesia but they know how to make games but they know how, they don't know how to sell it and so that's where toge came in toge opened a publishing division i help out and one thing about Toge is they have this internal game jam where everyone can pitch anything they want. So I pitched something called Project Green Tea Latte, uh, which ends up as uh, we all know as Coffee Talk now. And the, the funny thing is my boss was like, can you handle doing your marketing and PR job and directing Green Tea Latte? And I was like, uh, don't worry about it, it's easy. <laughs> that was the biggest lie I ever told anyone. <laughs> but somehow the game got, uh, 
the game. I finished the game. We finished the game. The game came out, but I realized that I enjoy making games more than selling games. So I decided to leave after Coffee Talk is done. Before it before it came out, actually, just like a month before it came out, I I quit, and I've been doing some my own stuff as an indie developer, while helping other studios in terms of narrative design, marketing, PR, pitching for publishers, and so on. And that's it. Wow, that, that is an awesome journey. And I've, I've been doing some research on your website because there are different articles about the game and, and your journey, and you have some different talks that you've mm-hmm. hosted. And it, your website is a wealth of information. <laughs> it, is, it is awesome. And I, I love that you were telling me that you guys had never been to America and you even have on your website, uh, I think it's a, it's Pathfinding's brewing an experience about places you've never been to. Oh yeah. Uh, I was invited by a friend of mine, Gwen from Teddy. So she was, uh, she was trying to make an event about that gathers all global South developers to share and give talks and do networking. And, uh, she invited me to talk about those topics because she believes that you have experience. I mean, you, you've made coffee talk, so you should be able to tell us about how you do it. And yeah, I guess, I mean, like, to be honest, when I was working on the game, I didn't really think about it that much, but I don't know. <laughs> Everything just came naturally, I guess. <laughs> You were so inspired, and uh, a lot of your writing, because you have some short stories on your website, I, I can see that you are drawn to these reflective type games where that, that happen in the ordinary, but you turn it extraordinary, it sounds like. Yeah, because uh, as I've mentioned before, one of my favorite writers is Neil Gaiman, and this is kind of his style of writing. Uh, I also love Haruki Murakami, which also have similar style of writing, which I guess when you start out, you tend to sound like your favorite writers. And I, I, I have a feeling that I kind of sound like the bootleg version of Gaiman or oh, <laughs> <laughs> What are some of your favorite works that those authors have made? Mm, so for Gaiman, obviously Sandman and American God. Oh, but I also love Stardust, uh, simply because, I don't know, the work's just detailed. Everything feels, it's a fantasy, but it feels believable, mm-hmm. somehow. As for Murakami, I love uh, his book called Kafka on the Shore. Kafka on the Shore is about, it's a very weird journey about, about a boy, and somehow it features Colonel Sanders as a pimp and a raining face and a lot of random things. It's just like out of this world, and I just love it. I guess I don't. I don't. I don't even know why I love it. Oh, it's just it's in, it's intriguing. It's, in, it's probably enchants you. It's it's yeah. amazing. Don't you love whenever you find this book and it just captures your attention? You can't put it down. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what are some memories you have of video games? Like, what are some of your earliest memories that introduced you to this pastime? Okay, so the funny thing is I played video games before I can read. 
uh, uh, I remember I played Super Mario Bros in my cousin's house. Like, I, to be honest, I don't know whether I really played or not because there's a possibility that they allowed me to hold the controller without plugging it in. <laughs> But I can't, I cannot confirm oh, that. They did that <laughs> trick to you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, that was my first exposure to video games. Uh, and this cousin of mine, he also introduced me to like manga, anime, and other things. So he's kind of like my gate to pop culture. And then funny thing is, as a Muslim, I have to get circumcised, right? And in Indonesia, when a boy gets circumcised, uh, the parents and the elders in the family will reward him with money or gift. And I actually gathered all those money to buy my first console, which is the Super NES. What? <laughs> it's like it's like if you ask any Indonesians, any male Indonesians, that they probably got their first consoles by circumcision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is really neat. So it's not so that doesn't happen when you're a baby. Yeah, that's why if you if it happens when you're a baby, you you will lose the chance to get those money. Because oh. <laughs> I, I know in like um, the Jewish communities, it's common for a little baby boy. But oh my goodness, <laughs> you're a brave person. <laughs> if, if you're if you came from the conservative family, uh, they tend to do it when you're a baby. But uh, the, a little bit moderate one will do it. And the boy is around like six to ten years old. Oh wow! Yeah, I learn something new every day. I I bet Perfect. you even remember it. Oh man, it's so painful. Of course, I remember it. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, what games did you end up buying for the Super Nintendo? So uh, one is because I love Dragon Ball so much. I my dad bought me. So I I didn't go to the place, but I just got. I just told my dad that okay, you need to get Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon because my sister will play it anyway, and then anything random. And he bought, you know, those bootleg SNES cartridge, mm-hmm. eight-in-one games that's filled with Mario, Tom and Jerry, and a lot of Japanese games. Yeah, we we just got that, so we got ten games with the price of three cartridges. <laughs> oh yeah, and. Piracy is very very rampant in Indonesia, so it's very hard to find legal copies here. Yeah. At least I mean, up until 2010. Is that is that because they're not the games aren't distributed legally to Indonesia? Yeah. So even even PlayStation, the first PlayStation that is that was officially released in Indonesia was PS3, and it came out in like 2011. Before that, everything was imported. Even right now, uh, Xbox and Xbox. Even if Microsoft have a big office in Indonesia and we don't have Xbox officially here, you need to import Xbox. So that's switch. So you cannot have Indonesian account. You have to make like at least Singapore account or US account. Only PlayStation right now that have that are officially available in Indonesia. I yeah. wonder why that is. I'm not sure. I guess. Because of the piracy, uh, they don't see it as a worthy investment. I guess I'm not sure. And our government sucks. Uh, that's also. Oh, really? 
And that's also the reason, I guess. Yeah. Do you, Do you think you'd like to stay in Indonesia forever? Or are there other places you'd like to to move to? I mean, I talk about moving when I was younger, and then I realized that uh, I got more chance of being successful in Indonesia is because the living cost is the living cost here is super cheap. Like uh, the minimum salary in Jakarta, the capital is like three hundred dollars. That's like the minimum salary. So if you get like if you get like a thousand dollars a month, it means you are super rich. Wow. Yeah, uh, I mean like my first job, uh, I think I I got paid around one hundred and fifty dollars less than that, and that's three times the minimum salary of that town. So yeah, wow. living here is very cheap. So getting like. I saw that some developers said that, oh, my game only sold for 2,000 copies. Dude, you can live for like a year with 2,000 copies sold here. <laughs> wow. That, oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I wanted to move to Japan, but I realized I need to be way more successful if I want to live in Japan. Might as well just stay in Indonesia and sell like mediocre games and I, ca I can still go to Japan and live comfortably in Indonesia with this living cost. Yeah, that's a good point. Gosh, life is expensive and th those are things you have to think about as you grow older. Oh, yeah. You don't think about it as much when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean like who knows like mattress and bed are super expensive, right? No, I don't, they're just there. Yep, exactly. Like suddenly everything is so expensive. I was like, no, dentist is expensive. Damn. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. It, but then it's like, do I want to suffer with any pain or have any problems exactly. <laughs> down the road? Well, what are some of your other hobbies? What are some things you like to do? Man, lots of fun things I like to do. I love writing, but that's part of my job. Uh, <laughs> I love reading, but that's also part of my job. <laughs> Damn, I don't think I have a... Oh, wait, I love music. I love going to concert, which I cannot do now. Um, I love decorating my room, but that's expensive. <laughs> and I love driving. Really? Like, yeah, I love driving in the middle of the night and just like aimlessly driving. Yeah, I love that. I was reading one of your pieces on your website about driving. It was the, the, the death drives. Oh. <laughs> oh, that was that was really thing, that happened when I was like I was driving and I got sleepy and I was like shit. Uh Basically, my life is like on the line every day I go to work and, and because I'm driving, the chance for me to die is like 50-50. I was like, shit, this is hard. <laughs> and then I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I really like that you talked about how you've, you wrote as though your parents were in the car with you and telling you to drive slower. <laughs> yeah, that's personal experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we're all a little reckless when we first start driving. 
is there um is there a certain age that people start driving legally in Indonesia? Yeah, uh, 17. You can only get the driving license when you're 17, but I've been learning how to drive since I was 14. Uh, and so we got a driver uh, in our family, and whenever the driver picked me up from school, uh, I will drive and he will be sitting next to me. So that's how I learned how to drive, which I don't think you can do in, in the US, right? Um. <laughs> Well, okay, so I guess it depends on where you live. So okay. I live in a pretty kind of rural area. Like we have stores and everything, but we have way more roads. Like you have to drive yeah. to get wherever you want. It's not like New York where I live. So there might your your parents might take you on a, a quiet road on a Sunday. Oh, yeah. And, let you practice driving. I have friends in big cities who tell me, I've never learned to drive. Oh, I don't think they need to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is public transportation big in Indonesia? It's big, but it's really bad and dangerous. Like, oh. yeah, I mean, like, it's getting better lately with the, we, we call it Transjakarta, which is basically like a bus, but with its own lane. Like no, no one can enter the it lane, and then we—it's it's silly, but we just got subway last year. Wow! So yeah. have, have you taken the subway? Oh yeah, I love it. But I mean, like, there's only one lane for now. I love it, but the funny thing is because it's—it's it's still new. People are treating it as a, like a picnic. Like some people in the rural area, like okay, it's weekend, let's go ride the subway. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like this an event. It's like going to Disney yeah. World or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's 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 funny to see kids smile so happily just because they are riding a train. So I guess it's something. <laughs> I I do love the train. If I ever get to take a train, I do love the train. Oh yeah, I love. It. I mean, like it's my second favorite place other than coffee shop. So yeah. Really? really? Yeah. So, I so based on of course the the game coffee talk which mm. originally was going to be called the things we say at night is that right? Oh yeah. The things we talk. So uh, I wanted to name it things we talk at night but my friend told me that it was grammatically incorrect. It has to be things we talk about at night which is too long. Uh, so my boss didn't agree with that, and we ended up with coffee talk. So you love going to cafes whenever you can, huh? Oh, I mean, like, uh, Freya, the character is basically me. And even in my, if you play the game to the end, in the special transaction, there's a name called Anomaly Coffee Senopati. Uh, it's my favorite coffee shop, and, like, everybody, and I mean, everybody knows me there. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's like it's your refuge, right? It's your exactly safe place. Yep. And uh, I'm not sure if you've read anything by Ernest Hemingway before. I read some snippets of it. Yeah. He, um, as I was playing Coffee Talk, it reminded me of his short story. Oh yeah. yeah, about the bar, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah I, I read that one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> But uh, I, I read that because somebody pointed out that uh, Coffee Talk feels like that short story. 
Yeah, I, it was actually me. <laughs> I wrote I wrote about it. Um, I actually was inspired to write comparing the short story and the game because I kept thinking of that short story and the message of everybody needs a clean, well-lighted place to visit a home away from home. Yep. And I think that game captures that so well where these people go and they can talk about their problems and you need that. It's really easy to get lost in your own head and be short-sighted. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, throughout the development, there's one keyword that we keep on, like, holding on. Like, whatever happens in the game, it has to stay true to this one keyword. And that thing is chill. The game has to be chill. It has to be relaxing. It has to be a, some kind of safe space for the players. That's why the game is super easy. Yeah. I I love that I was reading about the game's development and how you guys were worried that how are we going to categorize this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean like it's 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 too complicated to be a visual novel, but it's not really a video game video game, right? And yeah, that we were worried about that. I mean, I was worried that the game doesn't have enough gameplay but and then I spoke uh, there's this one video from Mark Brown the GMTK channel uh, about designs by subtraction so it was a terms coined by Fumito Ueda about don't you don't have to add features in in your game just to make it feels like a game if it if, if what you have is enough to convey what you want to convey then let it be. Just strip down everything and make it like focus on the things that matter. And that principle is something that we hold on to, we, we held on to during the development. And I'm glad we held on to that. I think it was successful. Thank you. I think so. Uh, it's kind of like whenever you're painting or a painter is painting this painting and they're they're wondering when do I stop when do I stop adding colors when do I when is this complete Let's yeah, I mean yeah. uh, the funny thing is uh, I, I actually went a bit too extreme with that mindset so for example one of the feature in the game that somehow people love was the latte art latte art system I was heavily against that feature because uh, I don't feel that it adds anything to the game, but it was suggested by my former boss, Chris, uh, who also helped me with the, some of the writings. And he insisted that the game needs something different. The game needs something that only exists in the game, especially because at that time, everybody was comparing the game to Valhalla, right? And so I was like, okay, then we give it a try. So Chris made this prototype of the latte art system and it went viral. And I was like, oh shit, we really need to add this, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm glad that I listened to him for once. <laughs> because people love latte art. I'm really bad at it. Oh yeah, I am the worst at it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really charming. I, I admire any baristas who can actually do it in real life. This is difficult. The funny thing is, uh, one of our partners did a video where a barista tried to make a latte art in Coffee Talk, and 
he was like, oh, yeah, this is very different from real life. And I, he said he was suck at it, but what he made was way better than what I've, whatever I ever made. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh gosh, I was not good at it at all. <laughs> What are what are some games that you like to play nowadays? Are there do you have do you have time to play games as much? <clears throat> it's funny because I want to say that I don't have that much game at much time to play my favorite games. Like I haven't finished Final Fantasy VII remake yet, but I've spent three hundred hours on Hades, <laughs> and I, I really uh, yeah I need to stop playing that game because I've been playing it too much. <laughs> I heard it is really good. Oh, it's super good. It's like, oh man, it's so good. It, so, so you, what did you study in school? You studied software engineering? Oh yeah. Uh, so wow. I studied software engineering in Malaysia because, uh, so uh, I, I graduated from high school in 2008 and uh, I wanted to study overseas, but we don't have that much money to cover me going to study somewhere far away, right? So uh, I studied in Malaysia, which is just like our neighboring countries. And my mom told me that I, I've been one, I wanted to make games since I was like junior high school, right? And back then, there are not that much, there, there are not that many courses about video games, like especially in Southeast Asia. I think there are only like a handful of universities that have video game courses the biggest one was in Singapore and it was like super expensive so I ended up studying software because my mom told me that if you want to make games uh, just study IT because you will you will have to code the game anyway right and in case the industry is not growing by the time you graduated you could try like join an IT company or something in case the industry is not there yet. And so yeah, I listened to her and I guess it was a pretty good decision, although I am really bad at coding. Oh, I, really? I, yeah, I'm super bad at coding. <laughs> so you're more into the creative aspects of projects. That's like a nice way to put it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Oh, co coding, I've, I've heard it's, Oh, it's kind of mind-numbing at times. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, like I get it why people like it because when you when you manage to solve a problem, it feels it feels like you just beat a Dark Souls boss or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like that, but it's it's too much for me. <laughs> well, you you obviously love to write. You love to create. And what what do you love about creating? What brings you joy? I just love telling stories, I guess, and mm -hmm, I don't know, like telling people stories, telling my stories, just make, help people make memories because I know that I can be who I am today because of the media I consumed when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. I still remember the lyrics of the songs I listened like 20 years ago. I still remember the experience of playing Final Fantasy IX for the first time and things like that, like, it changed me and I wish I could make something that could affect people the same way those things affected me. Uh, I guess I'm on my way to do that. 
Yeah. I think it's, I say this a lot to people. I think it's really important for everyone to have some kind of creative outlet and make things, <laughs> whether that's drawing, writing, cooking, pottery. Yeah. The funny thing is, uh, I went to therapy like around two, one or two years ago. And the, uh, the therapist told me to write, to write what I had in mind. But I was afraid that people might see me too much if I posted it. And he was, she was like, you don't need to post it, just like write it for yourself. And I cannot do that. In the end, I had to share what I wrote. And I found out that, okay, so writing and sharing what I wrote is my therapy. And it kind of helped me, so because it helped me, I enjoy doing it, I guess. Yeah. What What is one of your favorite pieces that you've written? Favorite pieces? Oh, man, that's so hard. I hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> you hate them all? Yeah. <laughs> I guess my favorite one was the, uh, the one called Road Trip. Uh, yeah, uh, simply because... It was, uh, people said it's good, simply because of that. Because it's short and it's sweet, that's it. I like that it opens with that, that song by Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of songs, you mentioned you like going to concerts. Who, who are some of your favorite artists? Um, so, okay, that's a difficult question because I listen to many kinds of music. Um, I think since I was 20, yeah, since I was 21st years old, 21 years old, I started listening to post-rock, uh, and I've been listening to them a lot until now. I love listening to Japanese music, thanks to anime, and I listen to, oh, my teenage years was filled with punk and ska, just like any teenagers, I guess. <laughs> uh, and I listen to some a little bit metal, but I also love things like classical music and stuff. I mean, I, I listen to anything as long as it's good or it's bad. I don't know. <laughs> well, what was your like? What were some of your favorite concerts you've been to? Oh, uh, yes, the well, two most memorable ones was one was a Japanese band called Lark and Cell. Uh, they visited Jakarta eight years ago and. I've been waiting for them like for over 10 years and it was just amazing. Uh, the last one was Foo Fighters. Uh, they, visited, uh, they visited Singapore like, the funny thing is they visited Singapore in 2017, right? On the same week as Gamescom. And I just joined Toge and my boss told me to visit Gamescom and I was like, I just bought ticket to Foo Fighters and nobody's going to forbid me from going to watch them. <laughs> so, so we had to kind of fit the schedule. I mean, like, I'm a new guy in the office and I'm, I forced them to fit my schedule between Gamescom and Foo Fighters. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime chance sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the last time they visited the region, not even the country, the region, Southeast Asia, was... 96 it was like 24 years ago so yeah i had to i had to go there right the funny thing is like there's so many indonesians in singapore that day 
Thanks to oh. Foo Fighters. <laughs> I bet that was an epic concert. Oh, it was. It was amazing. Do you play any music yourself? Like <laughs> I, you have any I mean, like I played drums, but I haven't played anything for like a few years. Yeah, I'm not really good at it though. <laughs> it's a lot of work to, yeah. <laughs> to pick up an instrument. I mean, like uh, I had a high school band, and we we still played like once in two years. Like it has become like a dead band now because everyone already married and have kids. <laughs> uh, we joke around because when we were teenagers, we get we can we survive like walking to the studio and practicing for two hours or three hours. But now, fifteen minutes is like, oh man, this is too much. <laughs> like oh man, we, we, it's, it's, I mean we're not destined. We're not fated to be musician, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and you were the drums in that band. Yeah. Uh, because my mom, my mom told me that when I was ten years old, my mom told me that uh, I will pay for a music course, whatever music course you want, but you have to learn an instrument. Whatever you want, you have to to be able to at least play one instrument, and I chose drums because it looks cool. Look cool! Oh, I bet that's great stress relief too. <laughs> yeah, well, oh man, it's amazing. <laughs> Just to beat on something like that. Oh, it feels so good, yeah. Oh, I love that. And it, it is hard. I don't know how people do it with families, these traveling musicians. I have no idea. Yeah. No I guess idea. They, they, they can bring their families if they're successful enough. But if they're still in this, yeah, you have to say goodbye a lot. Yeah, and you're, I, I've heard that musicians tend to make most of their income from the tours and the concerts rather than the CD sales, like the song sales. It, yes, for now, because uh, I have a friend who's like working in a concert, concert scenes, and he told me like 20 years ago, concerts are just to promote their albums, but now it's the other way around. Albums is to promote the concert. Because oh. it, it, it's what makes money right now. Oh gosh, that I think that that's such a, a gamble too. That kind of yeah. lifestyle, because hey, if people like your music, they like it. But if they don't, they don't. <laughs> that's why my next game is about a band. Oh, okay. Yeah. You want, would you like to talk about that? I cannot say much, but I can okay. say that it's a it's about a band. It's about death. I mean, like that, as in people dying, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's set in Jakarta. And if you have played what comes after, it features uh, an indie band, a local, an Indonesian indie band in the credit scene, and we'll we'll be working with them for the all the songs in the game. Oh, I'm really excited. I I haven't played What Comes After yet. It is on my wish list, but I've I've followed your progress on Twitter and yeah, I kind of shut up about it. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. That that is I, that's hey, you know what? If other people can share selfies and food, I want to hear about your game. Thank you. <laughs> but it looks it looks really endearing. I'm someone who I, I try not to read about games before I play them because I don't want anything spoiled. Like, I don't even really watch trailers that much. I just jump in. 
So what, would you like to talk about what comes after? Sure, why not? I mean, like, it's a short game. The funny thing is, uh, the game I told you about, the one about Ben, it's kind of a big project, right? And it's my first game as, I won't say a studio lead because we don't have a studio. I don't, want, I don't want a studio because taking care of games is easier than taking care of humans, right? And so I just like invited some friends like, hey, do you want to make games? And apparently making something from zero is so difficult. It's, I mean, like when I joined Toge, Toge's already set up. Like the people are like experienced. They know how to work in games. They know how to work together. There are legal stuff already set up. And now I have to take care of everything from ground zero, from, from scratch. And it's hard. So I ran out of ideas. I ran out of money to work on it. That's why uh, I decided like, hey, what if we make a smaller game with the same engine? Like a short game we will sell for like five bucks. It will help us with the bigger game. It will, it will help us like creatively and financially. So that's what comes, what comes after. It's basically like an experiment to work on a bigger game. Well, how, how did you like the process? Like how long did it take from start to finish? I think it's like around three and a half months, which is like, I'm pretty proud of that, to be honest. That's amazing. Yeah, and we, the budget is like really, really low. Like the whole game cost us like only $700 to make. Wow. I mean, like not, yeah, I mean, not counting the time and energy we spend, but at least we only spend that money. And it was, there are a lot of things to learn from that game, right? I, I realized the things that I miss from the development of the bigger game. And so I, I decided, okay, I know what to do with the bigger game thanks to what comes after. I got some extra funding from what comes after and even the engine, we, we could reuse some of the things that were used in what comes after for the bigger game. So I, 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 I like that game, I guess. It, 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 serves, it serves its purpose. Yeah. Wow. So did, did you do the, the coding and everything for it? Oh, no. I only do the writing and design. Okay, because I know you said you hated coding, but I didn't know if you had to force yourself to oh, do no, it. No. I, I have a friend who is doing the code. Yeah. Oh, good. So you can focus on what you truly love to do. Yeah, and and not ruin anything. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Well, if so, let's say people listening have not heard of what comes after. What would you like to give us a little synopsis of it without any spoilers? Okay, so what comes after is a short story about wait i need to read the steam description actually <laughs> that's okay that's you, you've probably thought about it so much that it kind of feels like a like robotic at a point okay so what comes after is a side-scrolling adventure and short heartwarming story about learning how to love yourself so you play as Vivi, uh, a girl who overslept in the last train home and she woke up and she wakes up in a train filled with ghosts and she has to talk to this ghost and learn about the beauty of life that the game is basically about walk and talk this is the thing you do in the game i love it so are are you 
do you love to make games that are I, I'm not I don't know if slower paced is the right word, but do you prefer games kind of like like visual novels and and interacting rather than platformers? Uh, I mean, to be really honest, it's the main reason is because I'm not that good as a game designer. Like if you ask me to design a level or balance like stats, I'm stuck at it. So I just I keep myself safe in the things I'm comfortable with. I guess. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that, and yeah. I think it's a strength of yours because these games look like they flow really well. Oh, thank you. I mean, like uh, I still I still hope that after the big project, next big project, I could work on something that involves battle a bit because all of my games never involve any battle at all which is good but <laughs> I, I, I want to make something with strategy a bit you know or action do you have any favorite strategy games uh, i don't play that strategy that much but i played a lot of turn-based rpg and mm-hmm. oh for strategy i guess final fantasy tactics yeah mm-hmm. that counts yeah those, I'm amazed at people who make those games. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, you know, it's like, wow. Are you are you someone who plays chess? <laughs> I went badly, yeah. Really? Because I, I, I always think of that whenever I think of strategy games. I keep thinking, these people must be good at chess. I guess. The funny thing, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, like... The thing, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, because I played some chess with a friend of mine that lost strategy games and they beat me easily. So, really? yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure whether they are good or I'm just like too stupid to about it. Oh gosh, no, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to play chess. Uh, it, it's very intimidating to me. <laughs> I mean, like my dad taught me how to play chess, so it's kind of like a rite of passage in the family that okay, you have to be able to play chess. Like, oh. yeah, I guess both of my parents taught me some stuff that they believe it will help me in social life. Like, you have to be able to ride bicycle, play chess, know what Monopoly is, and play a musical instrument, and you'll be settled in life. And yeah, that, they were right. It sounds <laughs> like you have some really good parents. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're they're invested in your well-being and in your success it sounds like yeah and my favorite thing is they're not that close-minded i mean like compared to other uh some of my other cousins i was like oh man i am glad i was born in this family <laughs> <laughs> i have moments like that too <laughs> well what what is it like being in indonesia and trying to get your voice heard to bigger audiences Ah, yeah, I mean, like, if we're talking about making games, to be honest, for me, that I know that my game is not something that can sell well in Indonesia. I mean, like, so, my mindset is always like, I need to sell it outside Indonesia. And selling the stuff in Indonesia is just like a bonus, so people can, like, oh, this game is made in Indonesia, and they will buy it just because of that. Or maybe I could like get opportunities to talk and stuff like this. So yeah, Indonesia was never never been my main market in mind because in the end, as an indie game developer, 
all you all you can rely to is like US and China. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like the two main source of income for most people. I was on your website. You had a really a really interesting article about what if I had been born in America. Oh yeah, I I actually forgot why I wrote that. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, like it, it's pretty recent, right? Uh, I guess it was because, uh, you know, when I, I just think like, okay, I cannot imagine myself living in the U.S. because of the, I don't know, America sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, like, like to succeed or everything, like succeeding, and then the living costs, like the competition, like. Everyone like I don't know, and then there's also the racism. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the government. I mean, like my government is sucks, but I'm sorry, but your government also sucks. <laughs> no, don't apologize. I think that's a universal thing. I uh, I tell people all the time I don't celebrate politicians because they're telling us what they want us to hear. Exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't get excited about them. And have you ever heard of George Carlin? No. The comedian? I, I'm going to share a video clip with you. I think you would enjoy him with your sense of humor. He, he has a really funny piece about how it's a big club and you ain't in it. How these people at the top just, they're all, they're all one and the same and they're all in it for themselves. They're not really worried about the little people, you know? Hey, sounds like video game industry. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, sounds like any industry at all, but yeah. Do you, so what do you think about growing and maybe getting on with a big company one day? Do you think you'd like to stay the indie route or do you think you'd like to get with a bigger company? I mean, like, uh, after a few years, I realized that I will never be able to work in bigger company again because I'm like, I'm such a slow worker and very lazy and like oh, my, sleeping, <laughs> my sleeping schedule is like a mess and I was like man I will never be able to work with anyone after this especially after like thanks to COVID I've been staying home like for nine months and I've been like working my working hour is like from 12 p.m. to 5 a.m. which is not a healthy time at all right I mean like most of the time so I was playing Hades but still like working hours even though I play Hades but yeah I mean like I don't think I can work with anyone right now <laughs> yeah you probably have a lot more independence yeah I mean like and if if I'm lucky being able to work with this freedom like I can financially I won't say it's better I mean like it's not stable but when things are well, it's better than working with other people. But when things are not that well, well, just survive. <laughs> what are what are some goals you have in mind? Some goals? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, like, make games and then make another games with the with the things I get from the previous games. If if we're talking about literal goals, I want to buy a Mini Cooper by the time I reach 33, which is like 
oh shit, it's two years from now. <laughs> no. Oh, <my> <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. that, that's a cool car. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, like the 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 physical goal is that Mini Cooper and house, and the dream goal is like just make games and then make more games and make like. I, I'm going to make small games and then it it will get bigger, bigger, bigger until I reach the level of Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> that would be amazing. I, I think yeah. I think you're on your way there. I think I think we're gonna see so much more from you in the next. Oh, hopefully, decade. yeah. I hope so. <laughs> what is it about the Mini Cooper that you like so much? That's a that's a cool car. Uh, Mr. Bean. I mean, like I love Mr. Bean so much and. Mr. Bean. I, yeah, I, I'm talking about the old Mini Cooper, right? So I hate the new ones. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Since I was like in elementary school, or even before that, I was like, I want this car. Like, I want this cute little box. It is cute. It I, is super cute. I would really like a little red beetle. Oh, oh yeah. They're that's, so cute. The funny thing is, my friend told me that. Uh, his dad owns a beetle, right? And I asked him, like, so your dad loves beetle? No, he wanted Mini Cooper, but he cannot afford it, so he bought beetle instead. Really? <laughs> 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 Apparently, I don't know about the other countries, but in Indonesia, uh, when you cannot get Mini Cooper because it's so rare here, right? You ended up with beetles, which is like, okay, it's almost the same anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's... I have to be prepared for Beatles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some people... Oh, let me know if people do this in Indonesia. Some people, usually ladies who have Beatles, they'll put eyelashes on the front lights. Oh, no, thankfully, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you'll be on the road, and if you see a Beatle, you might see these giant <laughs> lashes. <laughs> thank, thank God it's not happening. <laughs> no, it's... Gosh, over here, <clears throat> and then what's interesting, and I'm sure you probably know this already, the, the United States, depending on where you go, you're going to have a different experience. Like if you go to the, this particular state or this state, they might be very different. Mm. I mean, like Ultra. from what I understand, like the ones in the coast are more open-minded than the ones, the closer you get to the middle, the, the closer their minds are that's what i understand from the internet uh i i can see that yeah I, like in, in general like i i live in the south i live in louisiana and so i live in southern louisiana near new orleans and that is very different from northern louisiana the attitude like we have mardi gras and people are very laid back and it's there I guess it also depends on the person because there, there are people here, like I'm not going to associate with people who are racist. I'm not going to associate with people who are, who have the Confederate flag waving around, you know? So it's, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. And then the, the West coast and the East coast are different too. Yeah, I mean, I understand because like living in Indonesia, we have, we are, we are a bit too big. Like, Indonesia should have been like five countries because we have around 300 languages. Yeah, and everyone is so different. Even in Java, Western Java, 
Central Java and Eastern Java are different. And then there's this small place called Jakarta, which is totally different from all the rest of Java. And if you go to the Eastern, I don't know, I mean like, just, yeah, this country is too big and too diverse sometimes. <laughs> it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming indeed, yeah. So do you live more in the like a, a city area or are you kind of outside of the city? Um, I guess when my parents bought the house, it was a little bit outside of the city, but now it has become like part of the city. It's growing so fast. So yeah, I guess, I guess we get lucky with that. Um, but uh, we have we have a hometown in Central Java, which we always go home every Ramadan, every Eid. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's my grandma's house. But I haven't, I haven't, read, I haven't go there since like last year. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the COVID issues yeah. going on right now. Uh, and the funny thing is, last year I, I made up reasons that oh yeah, I had, I went to Bit Summit in Kyoto and, I told my mom that okay, I cannot make it to hometown this year because I was avoiding it because last year we have the presidential election and I don't want to meet any of family members during election. Oh, <laughs> it's different opinion, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I escaped a bit summit last year. That must have been more enjoyable. Oh yeah, I mean like it's a bit mellow, but yeah, it's more fun. <laughs> what what did you get to do over there? Oh yeah, actually I showcased coffee talk in the summit last year. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, that's amazing. How so would you like to talk about that experience or anything like any memories? I mean, it wasn't my first bit summit, but the best thing about bit summit is it's just it doesn't feel like PAX or E3 because PAX or E3 feels like too much work. You need to be you need to work all the time during PAX or E3, but with events like bit summit, it just it's just chill. People know each other. We just like, yeah, just play the game and we will talk with each other and hang out. And every night uh, they have this party on the riverside of Kamagawa or Kanogawa, I forget the name. But it was a beautiful place. People are kind. And the best thing is, I, I don't know, if, I, I'm sure it's real because last year at Bit Summit in the riverside party, at midnight, I saw a deer walking on the river, and it's real because I wasn't the only one who saw it. So, yeah. I was like, okay, Japan is amazing, I guess. Oh, it's so magical. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like a Mononoke some or something. Oh, yes! <laughs> Are you a big Studio Ghibli fan? Oh, yeah. So much. I love Ghibli. What's your favorite? Okay, I'm going to make you pick a favorite movie. Okay. Uh... My favorite movie from Ghibli is Whisper of the Heart. Whispers. Okay, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very different because it's, it's very cheesy. You'll get diabetes from watching that movie. Oh, it's, I love it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> like it's teenage romance with a, lot of, with a lot of cheesiness in it, and I love it. I, I just love it. It's so, it sounds like it's very wholesome. Oh, it is very wholesome. Well, are are there any um, cartoons or movies that are pretty popular in Indonesia that are Indonesian made? Um, 
So if we're talking about cartoon, it's not that big, but we have this character called Unyil, which is like a, a puppet. They try to adapt it to 3D animation, but I don't think they succeed that much. So it stays, it stays more popular as a puppet than cartoon. Yeah. I mean, like animation industry is still growing alongside game industry, and yeah. Not that easy, I guess. Here. Interesting. I, I wonder if there just aren't as many resources or as many people who are interested. Uh, I mean, like I told you about the living cost here, right? And the minimum salary. Thanks to that, the talents, most of them decided to go overseas because it pays more than working in the local studios. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So you you guys have to rely on a lot of other countries to yeah. kind of provide some entertainment sometimes, I guess. Oh, well, would you? Is there anything else you wanted to say about Coffee Talk or what comes after, like just the processes on those games? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I thought a lot. What do you want to know? <laughs> I you had you had brought up something about marketing to Western audiences and how there's a Western-centric bias with that. And what are some improvements that game studios and designers can make? What what can they do? What would you like them to know? To market their game to Western audience? That or like what can, what can people in Western countries do? Like what would you like them to know? Like either the challenges or... Is there something we could be open, more open-minded with? The thing is, uh, even if I say, I, I cannot put it into words, but even if I could, the people that will listen, they, they already do that. The problem lies with the general market, the popular, the mainstream audience. They don't even listen to Western Indies more. <laughs> so it's kind of impossible to make them listen to an indie dev from Indonesia. And yeah, I guess the shitty part is that it's so hard to reach. I mean, like, you saw that Cyberpunk got 8 million pre-orders, right? And they still consider themselves as a failure. <coughs> While Hades got sold, like, 2 or 3 million, and it was super successful for indies. Like, there's this giant gap between the mainstream games and indie games and um, it's so hard to catch on to those things yeah, yeah it, it kind of like you're rooting for the underdog yes i mean like you 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 bought the game just to just to support the developers <laughs> and if you're lucky you get good games <laughs> i think indie games are having their moment within the last few years it seems like yeah but the thing is the thing I hate the most about the platforms and capitalism right now is that if you want to be successful, you have to be successful. Like, if you, if you want to, your game to sell well, it has to be featured on the front page. But if you want the game to be featured, you need to, you need to have a lot of sales. Which is like, I need sales to be featured, but to be featured, I also... It's, it's like, where, where should I start? 
uh, in the end it's it relies so much on two things one is marketing and two is luck and sometimes you can only rely on luck yeah it's you almost have to sell your soul <laughs> yeah. a little bit when i think about it it's just and is there anything you do you have an opinion on the stories about developer crunch times it's weird because I experienced crunch when I was in big studio, right? And it sucks. It it makes you love video games less. And I I was like a newcomer in and it, it was my first job, so I don't I didn't experience the things that people said about not meeting your family and stuff. But I'm sure it it's difficult. Uh, but as an indie, I feel it like. Uh, there's a big difference between working for other people and then you all do overtime with working by yourself and overworking yourself for your for your own products. So I, I, I'm not even sure whether this counts as crunch or not, but I feel like sometimes it's necessary. Not, not, not necessary, because in my case, uh, our team has to work like we have full-time job or full-time freelance, and then we work on our games for at night or on the weekend, which made me think like, are we doing crunch? Like, but we have to do it if the game won't be finished. So I don't know. I try to remind the team that if you're tired, just forget about the game and rest. But I need to ask you to work on the weekend and at night. But if you're tired, please don't put the game out. Like, just sleep. Of course, people will feel guilty sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, like, it's easier when you're just like working for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, is it hard to meet deadlines a lot of times? Oh man, you will miss the deadline. You will miss the deadlines. I'm sure of that. Really? Will always, yeah. I mean, at Coffee Talk, we plan it to be like a six months development. It ended up to be two years development <laughs> and what comes after we plan it to be like three months and then we ended up with three and a half months so it's not that far off i guess and we don't crunch with that yeah we don't crunch with what comes after <clears throat> and so it sounds like you don't <laughs> no two games are alike you can't expect the same result every time right it just depends on what happens along the journey uh if it happens the same time, it means you're not learning anything. So the next game has to be better than the first one. I mean, and I'm not talking about the quality or the content, but the way you do it, the less pain you made working on the game, it's better. That's why I mean, like I made a lot of mistakes during the development of Capital, so I tried to not do the same mistake when I was working on What Comes After, and I hope I don't make the mistakes I made in What Comes After when I'm working for the next game. Yeah. You, you only improve by doing things and, and yeah. by making mistakes. Like you, you mentioned that earlier, you have to fail. Yep, exactly. Otherwise, I mean, and nobody's I, perfect. Well, I don't want to be perfect, to be honest. <laughs> I, like it, I like that outlook. And, and what makes you say that? I don't know. It seems, that, it seems boring, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You cannot experience the joy of success if you never fail. That's 
That is really true. It needs you need both sides of that coin to enjoy exactly right. the good times. And would you like anybody who would you have any advice for people who are considering game development, maybe some younger people or even people our age or older who want to get involved in this industry? Do you have anything you'd like them to know or any advice you would give? I don't think I am good enough to share any advice, but <laughs> I mean, like, just be prepared. It doesn't look as good as you imagine it to be, but it's fun. I mean, like, making games and releasing them is super duper difficult, but once you realize it, that's so good. I mean, like, it feels great to see people playing your game say good things about it or maybe say a little bit mean things about it not the mean things it sucks to read those things but yeah i mean like making game feels like drugs you know it's addictive it's not good for your health but it feels good the moment you're doing it <laughs> i love it i love that and what what are some of the challenges you've faced like with kind of deciding okay what do I want to do with my life what what do I want to do with game development were there any particular moments where you maybe had doubts or like there it was really stressful hmm. I guess I'm I was I'm lucky because I was I had a lot of privilege like when I was working with when I lost my job my boss helped me find another job, and those jobs helped me find another job again, and I I got to learn on every place I've been to, so I was lucky there. And even when I decided to leave Toge, I I told my mom that okay, mom, I wanted to try this before before I got too old, and I, I so it's it's an Asian household, so it's pretty normal for everyone to stay in the family until you get married, right? And when I was working with Toge, I, I at least I contributed by paying the bill for the internet and electricity, and then I told her like, so I wanted to start making my own stuff, and I might not be able to pay anything in this house, and she was like, yeah, just do it. I mean, like if you fail, you will fail anyway. So just I I have a lot of privilege. So yeah, I I actually forgot what the question is. <laughs> Oh no, that's a, just like um, just challenges that you've. Oh you've yeah. Faced. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I have a lot of challenges, but then I remember that I have a lot of privilege from from the places I've worked in, who taught me a lot of stuff, from my family who's very supportive. Uh, I got lucky, I guess. Although there are a lot of challenges, I somehow got through it. I don't even know how. <laughs> That isn't life like that. You you sometimes you stop and yep. you think, how did I end up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's actually a quote from a Murakami book, Kafka on the Shore. Like, you you won't realize when the storm ends, but all you realize is like, you you have become a different person, but you will never realize that. Hey, the storm ends. It just happens. You just wake up one day and <laughs> your life flies right by you. Yep. Well, when uh, when is, I know you can't talk about the game you're working on, but is there um, a date people can expect to see it come out about? 
I mean, hopefully we can have like a prologue chapter around quarter two of next year. Wow, that's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> But only the prologue chapter, okay? Oh, that would be... Hey, that's something. That's awesome. Yep, that's something, yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like you'd like to share with people? Either some inspiration or or anything you'd like to say that, that Western audiences can do better to be more open-minded? Um... I don't know. I don't feel like I have the rights to tell people what to do, but uh, if there's one thing I could say to gamers, and this is not only limited to Western gamers, it applies to everyone. It's like, be nice. If you don't have anything nice to say, just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody could learn from that. Like in, uh, like Bambi, I don't know if you've ever seen Bambi with the little Oh yeah, I mean like, yeah. (laughs) I, I have just, the poster. You do? Okay. So, okay, and, yeah. And my, childhood, my childhood told me I have. Oh, because the little, I think it's the little bunny thumper said, my mom said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of. Well, well Fami, I, I have truly enjoyed getting to know you better and following you on Twitter is so much fun. I love seeing people pursue their dreams and work hard and have fun along the way. And you have... I don't work hard enough, though. Oh, very <laughs> modest, very modest. And I'm, I really enjoy your website because... Did you want to talk about your, your website, what people can find on it if they'd like oh, yeah. to know about you? I mean, like, it's just a simple website. Uh, about me it's called fuckmitsu.com f-a-h-m-i-t-s-u dot com it's basically a pun of my name Fahmi and Famitsu the Japanese magazine <laughs> uh, you can find everything about me in that website most things about me in that website you have a lot of good um, talks on here you have a Ludo Naricon 2020 panel yep uh, how is that? Oh, yeah, 2020, right. I forgot the year, yeah. That was, I don't know, they opened a submission for the panel, right? And I just, like, submitted the panel, and they approved it, and I got to invite, you know, the the funny thing is that panel, it includes uh, the writer of Valhalla, and the main reason I wanted to invite him was, like, to show people that, hey, dude, you say bad things about Coffee Talk, as a copycat of Valhalla, well, the truth is, I asked them how to make coffee talk. Like, we're friends in real life, so yeah. <laughs> that's the main reason why I decided to make the panel. <laughs> it's um, cultural dissonance, exploring and learning yeah. the unknown for your story. Yep, it's basically uh, a side note, I guess. In coffee talk, there's this uh, side story about an elf and a succubus. Uh, who's in love but they cannot get married and because one is F, one is Succubus and a friend told me that the problem you're depicting in this story is not an American problem, it's a very Asian problem. If they live in America, they just like elope or something. So that's, that's why I realized, okay, I, I'm writing about Asian people set in America. 
and I had to work on some. I need to. I had to work that thing out. But thankfully, I managed to twist the story a bit so it could fit like the American setting. But it made me realize that even if I tried to depict the game in America, I still put too much of myself, put too much of my culture in a game that is not set in my culture. And that's the idea of the song. It was. I think that's a really important talk for people to listen to, and I hadn't. I'm going to be honest with with the two characters, um, Bailey's and yeah, Lua. Lua. Uh. She. <laughs> I like. I like Kalua. <laughs> I like their names. <laughs> oh yeah, they're Togi's cats. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I. I'm going to be honest. I didn't. I didn't even think of it as an Asian problem because. There are, like your friend had said, it may be less common in the United States, but there, there are situations where, like, if you're relying on your parents financially or for whatever, you know, whatever reason they might hold it over your head. Well, I don't like your partner, so I'm not going to pay for your wedding. I don't like your partner. You can't live here anymore kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it happens everywhere, but uh, it, it still feels too Asian, I guess. <laughs> It it felt really not. It was again. I was blown away when I found out it wasn't an American company that made <laughs> the game. And oh, you have oh, I, I also enjoyed your talk about the journey of learning to wear multiple hats. Which you are a jack of all trades. Uh, I won't say jack of all trades. It's like doers of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> not yet jack. <laughs> And there also, uh, like I've talked about throughout our interview, you have a lot of short stories and articles that you've written. If people would like to read them, and I think, I think they can kind of see some correlations and similarities. Oh, fun to- fact: uh, So if you played Coffee Talk, uh, you can read the short stories in your phone, and in the game, it's presented as Freya who wrote those stories. And the main reason I did that is because I've been writing those short stories for years, right? And the only people that write the stories were like my friends or my family. So I think like I wanted more people to read this, so I just put it in the game. <laughs> oh, I love that! And that's how people write it, thanks to the game, I guess. I was I was telling my friend who just picked up the game last week. I said, make sure you check your phone. I don't want to give too much away, but just remember that Freya is a writer for that newspaper, <laughs> and you might want to take a peek at your phone. <laughs> I really thank you for adding that. Yeah, I mean, like it's a bit forced, but yeah, I just wanted to add those stories, I guess. Oh, it felt natural because. The bar, not the bar, the uh, barista is her, is Freya's friend. So of course it makes sense that she might pull up the news, art, you know, the, the newspaper and read her articles. Oh, you mentioned the barista as she, right? That's oh. actually one thing, one thing that we found it hard because uh, during the development, I tried so hard to make the barista as, as gender neutral as possible. The thing is, in Indonesian, we use dia, which is gender neutral. So we're not used to use he, she, they, them, because everything is the same. 
so I I had to if you if you read like I think there's one comment on our HIO page where or in the Steam where someone somebody said that the character feels like a man an old man in the early demo and I was like oh shit I need to fix this and uh, one of the first thing I asked to our close beta tester was like what do you think the barista's gender was and the first time I heard somebody said well I played it so she's a female and I was like thank god oh yeah like I, I inserted myself into that role yeah I, 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 we, we don't know how to make sure that we got that well because so some to be honest some sentence might sound weird because we really avoid to use any pronoun at all like if you notice if there's a time where the characters need to mention pronouns they would just call call the barista like the name or just barista just to avoid any use of pronouns i think that was executed really well i i never <laughs> felt like oh i'm being forced to be a woman or a, a man in this situation it just because i was i gave the character my name celeste i you know i thought okay well it's me i'm i'm a i'm a lady i identify as a lady but i can i think i think anyone who plays it is probably going to feel that same way like oh i feel like a i'm i'm a dude so i'm going to feel like a dude or i'm i don't identify so it just feels like a gender neutral i didn't I didn't feel like I was forced one way or the other. Oh, that, that's, that's very glad to hear. I, I'm glad to hear that. The ending, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's listening, but the <laughs> ending, ending threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> we just like, we had to make something like, it's kind of forced that, I mean like, I kind of forced it to make it feel like video games. So to relate the gameplay and the story so I had to use that ending and I was inspired by my favorite visual novel called 999 and Virtue Success Reward which use which use gameplay and story so it becomes a story that con- can only be told in video games and you can say that it's kind of a mini version of what they're doing what they did so yeah oh. And I, I'm assuming the astronaut. Well, I'm calling I'm calling that character an astronaut. I'm assuming it's a Neil after Neil Armstrong. Oh yeah, of course. I, actually, uh, they mentioned that in the story. Okay. Yeah, it's been a few months, so please forgive my bad memory <laughs> for, for that. So you said Freya is the character you relate to the most, and is pretty much you. Uh, basically, every single character is pretty much me. Oh. Uh, which makes uh in our first close uh alpha where the whole studio so Tokyo consists of 15 people right but only six people work on coffee talk and when we let the others play all the characters sound like me which is a problem so what we did was uh i wrote a scene like and then i get it i chose some friends like okay you go to the meeting room you go to the meeting room you will be this character you will be this character and you will talk about this and now just talk and i record everything and i transcribe everything and edit it into the dialogue to make it doesn't sound like me (laughs) so something a little more i don't know if natural is the word but 
just to differentiate the characters. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was there? It was, oh no, go ahead. Yeah, I mean like it sounds awkward when characters like Freya and Hyde somehow talk in the same way, right? So yeah, we had to take care of that. That that is that is hard to do because I, I I would love to know if this is something you've run into before because I I took some creative writing classes when I was in college and my uh, my professor would meet with us individually to go over our progress for our stories and I was trying to write about a man and she said some of the actions you're giving him are you know, are a little too feminine. Like, do you want him to be, to be homosexual? Is, I was like, no, I'm trying to write just a, a, a man. But she was like, okay, well, you're inserting your, yourself. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I insert myself a lot. But the thing is, I kind of divide those things. Like, so Lua is basically me when I was sad. Bayliss is me when I'm, I'm being cocky. Aqua is me when I'm being like, when I'm being anxious about something, and Freya is like my dominant self. So those characters kind of feel like a little bit of me myself, other than Rachel because Rachel is a real person in Indonesia. She's she's a model and she's a friend of mine. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, so she kind of helped me promoting the game in Indonesia. Is her real name Rachel? Rachel Florencia, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Although she's not a cat person, she's like a real woman. <laughs> oh, oh! I mean, I was kind of hoping that she could morph into a cat. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Oh, but yeah, I mean, like most of the characters are basically part of me, but their Freya is the most dominant, and I don't think I mean, like I grew up with a lot of amazing women in my life. Like I grew up with more women than men in my life, so I just. I don't even try to make Freya sounds like woman. I just like, even when I gave the early demo to my friends, they, imme- they immediately said like, okay, Freya is you, right? I was like, is it that obvious? Yeah, it's super obvious. So uh, I don't even try to make it sounds like someone, just like, this is me. Other than the other characters, that it's me, basically. Is Rachel the only one based off another friend i mean yes but there are some characters like myrtle myrtle was based on a tinder date really <laughs> yeah i actually told her like hey can i use your name for the character and she was like super happy about it <laughs> really oh, that's 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 like shakespearean right there immortalized yeah, that's, that's why the one of the scene is myrtle got hit by someone by Neil, who's using Tinder, because I met the real Myrtle on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> are, are there other stories uh, in real life that you connected to in the game? I mean, like, uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, like, Bailey and Lua, uh, I dated someone who's different, and that made things hard, so it was inspired by that, too. And... Aqua and Murder. I mean, Aqua feeling anxious about releasing her game is something that I feel about too. Myrtle, I don't relate too much on Myrtle, but yeah, sometimes I feel 
I have problems with anger, anger management, and Myrtle have problem with that. So, and Neil, Neil is like me when I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> so yeah, basically, I feel like a little bit of everything. What about Rachel's dad? <laughs> I don't know. I just like I he he kind of feels like my dad. Really? Mixed with myself, if I become a dad. Very protective of yeah. his daughter. I really appreciated all the real-life parallels you guys put into the Thank game. It's like the, with the abuse in the entertainment industry, it, it, was that inspired by all of the news stories coming out about what's going on in Hollywood? Uh, to be honest, it's not really inspired by that, but I just feel like it's been happening even way before that. It's just like no one was talking about it. And wait, the game, oh, okay. uh, the game, we started working on that game in late 2017, so the news was not as hot back then, but I've been thinking about it's happening every time, so, oh, it was actually inspired by the idol industry in Japan and Korea because you know uh, idol members they cannot date anyone they got stalkers it's like it's like a very it's like a factory producing idols and I hated that so much so I put that in the game I think that's really important for people to realize especially younger people who might want to pursue that oh yeah <laughs> how, how, is your friend doing okay Rachel I mean, like, uh, she got used to it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I hope she doesn't have to deal with any weirdos. Oh, she has to. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing about being girls on social media, especially on Twitter or Instagram, I, I asked my friend, and, like, they told me, I mean, I get, like, 20 dick pics a day, so... It's normal. They become numb with those things, oh my God. Which, which is horrible. That's that's insane. Yeah, I know. That's just the disrespect. You just get desensitized to it. It shouldn't even be tolerated. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, shit, what the fuck is wrong with my kind? <laughs> there are some... <clears throat> some uh, there are some people out there. It's um, like, I won't... I don't feel comfortable going to the grocery store at night. Like I, I th we live in a pretty safe area, but I don't like to go anywhere by myself at night. It's dangerous. I mean, like especially here, like if we, it will be difficult if you are like a woman and you go out alone at night. I won't recommend that at all, especially in Jakarta. Really? Yeah. Like so, any woman, or are women from different cultures treated differently, or anyone? Just oh. anyone. I mean, like even men is not safer, but at least it's a little bit safer when you are a man. That must be a universal thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, uh, there are a lot of news about uh, tourists from Japan uh, having bad luck in Indonesia because they are doing the things they are doing in Japan which is like the safest country on earth but you cannot apply that to Indonesia so yeah I mean 
you have to when in Rome act like a Roman. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I uh, I lived in Japan for six months. <clears throat> oh, I, t- I taught English over there in 2012, and I was very blown away by how safe I felt over there. Exactly <laughs> <laughs> right. Walking at 3 a.m. feels like it doesn't feel scary. <laughs> no. And I wish that every country had that sense of security. Yeah. I know, right? What about what about Georgie? He's he's the he's Georgie. I want to. I would love to know what he. Georgie. So Georgie, so, uh, Georgie is like we had to. We thought that okay, we need a comedy character, like you know. Uh, I love Police Academy when I was a kid because it was funny. So I I thought like okay, I need some. Comedy character who put out dead jokes all the time, and that was Georgie. And his name, uh, have you ever played Papers, Please? Uh, uh, not yet. I know what it is, though. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of it. So uh, there's this character, a comedy character in Papers, Please, called Georgie. But Georgie in Coffee Talk was not inspired by that Georgie. Georgie in Coffee Talk was inspired by the first guy who contacted us to do fan translation. So he helped us with Chinese translation and he always used Georgie online. <clears throat> so that name was tribute to him. So I, I asked him like, can I use your name to be in the game? Well, sure, but you know that my name was based on Papers, Please, right? Yeah, I know, it's fine. So it's indirectly related to Papers, Please, but yeah, he was there to be the death jokes of the game. I love it. <laughs> so he was kind of like the, he was also kind of the voice of reason. Like I felt like he was really good at centering yeah. people. So yeah, it it sucks because he doesn't have his own story arc, but he kind of helped other people with their story arcs. Yeah. Sometimes you need that person who doesn't have any drama in their life. <laughs> exactly. You need that social hub. Yeah. Yeah. You. I, I enjoy people who are who always seem to have it together, and you can go to them and seek their <laughs> advice. I mean, he doesn't have everything together, but <laughs> just go along with him. <laughs> he felt he felt like he was stable. <laughs> he's 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 in his Zen moment. He's in he's always in Zen moment. That's yeah. a great way to describe it. I like that. <laughs> Well, Fami, is there is there anything else you'd like to add for people to know about you or, or game development or writing or anything? I mean, like, uh, it's, 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 it sounds stupid, but if you want to know more about game development, have a Twitter account. <laughs> it's like the source of a lot of video games industry information and knowledge. It's a dark place, but if you follow the right people, You'll be fine. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a, that's a great piece of advice. Well, if people <laughs> if people would like to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, so they can find me uh, at Fahmitsu, uh, F A H M I T S U. It's basically my name everywhere online. So yeah, just find Fahmitsu and you'll find me. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. Thank you. So people can not only get to learn about the games, but I really wanted people to get to know you as well. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know what I've been saying all this. Year. <laughs>
past two hours, so I'm sorry if I sound like a bit weird. Oh no, not at all. I, it was it was perfect. You gave such great examples and such great insight. So I really appreciate your taking the time to do that. Thank you. Well, everybody, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts with Boss Rush Games. So until next time, we'll see you later, guys.